Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Babes Who Manifest podcast. I am your host, Luanza, aka The Gratitude Chick. This episode is sponsored by Goalie Gummies, a perfect addition to your wellness routine. Are you looking for a delicious way to support your overall health? Goalie ACV gummies are made with vitamin B9 and B12 to help support healthy nutrient metabolism and immune function. I have partnered with Goalie to give all of my listeners 20% off and free shipping. Use my coupon code at checkout, the gratitude chick, all one word, to take advantage of this offer. Their website is www.goli.com. That is www.goli.com. Also, don't forget to follow me on all of my social media platforms at The Gratitude Chick for Facebook and Instagram, at Babes Who Manifest Podcast for Facebook and Instagram, at Babes Who Manifest for TikTok, and Gratitude underscore Chick for Twitter. everyone and welcome back to another episode of your weekly devotional with the gratitude chick so we are still in second samuel and we are going to start today with chapter number 13 so you guys remember as we left off um that we learned some of the despicable deeds that um david has done um you know, with Bathsheba losing his son, killing Bathsheba's husband. So we are learning what I think t- to me is the lesson for us here today is that not saying that no matter what sins you do, it is about how you praise God, how you're grateful to him and how you repent. That, to me, is what I think that God looks at because there is nothing that we can do to work ourselves to heaven. Salvation is the gift of God. It is not something that you can work towards, right? So as a result of that, I think that David, having done all of these dastardly deeds, um... He's still, he, he's still a man after God's own heart, you know? And I, I firmly, firmly believe it is because of his praise. It is because, and, and this is why Samuel, 1 Samuel says, I think it's 1 Samuel chapter 12, man looks on the outer appearance and God looks at the heart. How many pastors and, you know, people of God have we looked at and on the outside, they look awesome. You know that, that man going to heaven. We've said this. You know they are going to be opening the gates for us. We have said this. But you don't know what lies in people's hearts. And if you go back and even read the four Gospels and see the Pharisees and the Sadducees and how they cleaned the outside, but the inside were as filthy rags... And even Jesus made mention of that, telling them that you you clean the outside and make it so spotless when inside is just like garbage, you know? 
And I think it's opposite for David. His outside is trash, but his inside is just bursting with prayer and love and thankfulness to God. And I think that is the lesson. Um, I, I think that is the lesson for us here as we read about David and Samuel, as we read about David in First and Second Samuel, and then we turn around and read how, you know, his own words in Psalms. If you don't feel like Psalms and, and David go together, you're crazy. Because Psalms is David's word. It, you can tell who he is and what type of man he is in Psalms. In Psalms, he talks about praising God. And, and don't get me wrong, he does in Samuel as well. There are scriptures we've read about him singing and dancing in the city. We've, we've read that. But in Psalms is where he pours out his heart to the Lord, you know? So, anyway, we're going to start with chapter number 13. After this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar. And Ammon, the son of David, loved her. Ammon was so distressed over his sister Tamar that he became sick, for she was a virgin. And it was improper for Ammon to do anything to her. But Ammon had a friend whose name was jo Jonadab, the son of Shemia, David's brother. Okay, so jo jo mm. Jonadab, the son of Shemia, was David's brother. Okay? Now, Jonadab was a very crafty man. And he said to him, Why are you, the king's son, becoming thinner day after day? Will you not tell me? Ammon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. So, um, David has so many wives, you know, that I don't even know. I know there was some kind of relation. I don't know if Tamar and um, Ammon had David in common. I know, I believe Tamar is David's son. So, but they, of course, had different mothers. So Jonadab said to him, lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, please let my sister Tamar come in and give me food and prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and eat it from her hand. Then Ammon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Ammon said to the king, please let Tamar, my sister, come in and make a couple of cakes for me in my sight that I may eat from her hand. And David sent home to Tamar, saying, Now go to your brother Ammon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Ammon's house, and he was lying down. Then she took flour and kneaded it, made cakes in his sight, and baked the cakes. And she took the pan and placed them out before him, but he refused to eat. Then Ammon said, Have everyone go out from me. And they all went out from him. Then Ammon said to Tamar, Bring the food into the bedroom, that I may eat it from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them to Ammon, her brother, and her brother, okay, in the bedroom. Now, when she had brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, Come lie with me, sister. Ill. Okay, ill. But she answered him, No, my brother. Do not force me, for no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. 
and I, where could I take my shame? And as for you, you would be like one of the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. However, he would not heed her voice. And being stronger than she, he forced her and lay with her. So his brother, her brother, who was supposed to be her protector, raped his sister. Then Ammon hated her exceedingly. Why you hate her? Hate yourself. Sorry, guys. Then Ammon hated her exceedingly so that the hatred which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. He didn't love her. And Ammon said to her, Arise, be gone. She said to him, No, indeed. This evil of sending me away is worse than than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. Then he called his servant who attended him and said, Here, put this woman out and away from me and bolt the door behind her. Now she had on a robe of many colors for the king's virgin daughters wore such apparel. And his servant put her out and bolted the door behind her. Then Tamar put ashes on her head and tore her robe of many colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went away crying bitterly. Now, I don't know what it meant in their culture to, you know, put ashes on their head and, you know, um, tear their garments. But a lot of them did this when people died and um, I guess when tragedy struck. So, uh, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm very ignorant to what, what that means in, in their culture. <sighs> and Absalom, her brother, said to her, Has Ammon, your brother, been with you? But now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this thing to heart. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's home. But when King David heard of all these things, he was very angry. And Absalom spoke to his brother Ammon, neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Ammon because he had forced his sister Tamar. And it's just like, what did you think was going to happen if you rape your sister? Her father is the king of Israel. Your father is the king of Israel. What did you think was going to happen if you forced your sister to have sex with you? I don't understand people. And it came to pass after two full years that Absalom had sheep shearers in Baal Hazor which is near Ephraim. So Absalom invited all the king's sons. Then Absalom came to the king and said, Kindly note, your servant has sheep shearers. Please let the king and his servants go with your servants. But the king said to Absalom, No, my son, let us not all go now, lest we be a burden to you. Then he urged him, but he would not go, and he blessed him. Then Absalom said, If not, please let my brother Ammon go with us. And the king said to him, Why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him, so he let Ammon and all the king's sons go with him. And my thing is, your son, and this is kind of showing um, what women really meant back in these times, because how is it that the king was only angry, but he didn't deal with Ammon? Like, the Bible does not say that David did anything to him after he raped his daughter. So my thing is, like, what's up with that? You know, why does her brother, her other brother have to kill his brother? Because you wouldn't do anything, you know, and you have your daughter who now has to see her rapist all the time. That's that's insane. 
Now Absalom had commanded his servants, saying, Watch now when Ammon's heart is merry with men, with wine, and when I say to you, Strike Ammon, then kill him. Do not be afraid, have I not commanded you. Be courageous and valiant. So the servants of Absalom did to Ammon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose, and each one got on his mule and fled. And it came to pass, while they were on, that, on the way, that news came to David, saying, Absalom has killed all the king's sons, and not one of them is left. So the king arose and tore his garments and lay on the ground, and all his servants stood by with their clothes torn. Why would they lie like that? Then Jonadab, the son of Shemiah, David's brother, answered and said, Let not my lord suppose they have killed all the young men, the king's sons, for only Ammon is dead. For by the command of Absalom, this has been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. Now therefore, let not my lord the king take this thing to heart, to think that all the king's sons are dead, for only Ammon is dead. Then Absalom fled, and the young man who was keeping watch lifted his eyes and looked. And there many people were coming from the road on the hillside behind him. And Jonadab said to the king, Look, the king's sons are coming, as your servant said. So it is. So it was, as soon as he had finished speaking, that the king's sons indeed came. And they lifted up their voice and wept. Also the king and also his servants wept very bitterly. But Absalom fled and went to Talmai, Talmai, the son of Amahud, king of Jeshur. And, and uh, David mourned for his son every day. So Absalom fled and went to Jeshur and was there three years. And King David longed to go to Absalom, for he had been comforted concerning Ammon because he was dead. So basically it's saying that <clears throat> Absalom fled because he didn't know really what David was going to do because... Really, I mean, this is just me speculating. So, and you know, because if you didn't kill Ammon after he raped your daughter, and I did, then of course you may have beef with me, right? So that is why Absalom fled, in my opinion. But in this last verse, verse 39, it says that David was comforted concerning Ammon because he was dead. So he really didn't want to kill his own son because that still was his son. But he is okay that he died. Um, so I'm a, I am I get it. I mean, your son and your daughter, you don't want to pick sides even though at least banish him, you know. Why is he even still around Tamar, right? So um, my own opinion about this chapter is simply this. The Bible says, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. David did a lot of things that he was not supposed to do. And this does not include going out in war and pillaging other country, other countries and, and nations. Because nine times out of ten, God told him that was okay to do. And I'm not even going to talk about that. But I am speaking of killing another man's, another woman's husband to have her. You know, David set up, David did a lot of stuff he had no business doing. A lot. He took wives and had concubines when the Bible tells you, thou shalt not commit adultery. He already knew that this was against God's word. So this happening to his daughter and then his son killing his other son, in my opinion, 
this is because of the sin of their father. That's, that's how I feel. David reaped what he sowed. This is his harvest. He, and I think that what people, especially Christians, have to realize is that when God says he is not mocked for whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap, it is correct. Now, I do believe that God has mercy and will not give you what you have given. I believe that. But do not think for a second that you can go out in this world and just be terrible and mean and disgusting to people and that will not come back on you, you or your children, because it will. And I can testify to the fact that what I have done in my life to anyone else, I have reaped that back. And that is for good and that is for evil. So this to me is nothing but the law of reaping and sowing in practice. That's, that's, that's my opinion. Okay, so we are going to go to chapter 14. These uh, chapters are pretty, pretty long in 2 Samuel, right? That was 39 verses and this one's 33 verses. Okay, so we might only get through two chapters today. So Joab, the son of Zariah, perceived that the king's heart was concerned about Absalom. And Joab sent to Tekoa and brought from there a wise woman and said to her, Please pretend to be a mourner and put on mourning apparel. Do not anoint yourself with oil, but act like a woman who has been mourning a long time for the dead. Go to the king and speak to him in this manner. So Joab put the words in her mouth. And when the woman of Tekoa spoke to the king, she fell on her face to the ground and prostrated herself and said, Help, O king. Then the king said to her, What troubles you? And she answered, Indeed, I am a widow. My husband is dead. Now your maidservant has two sons, and the two fought with each other in the field, and there was no one to part them, but the one struck the other and killed him. And now the whole family has risen up against your maidservant, and they said, Deliver him who struck his brother, that we may execute him for the life of his brother whom he killed, and we will destroy the heir also. Wow. So they would extinguish my ember that is left and leave to my husband neither name nor remnant on the earth. Then the king said to the woman, Go to your house, and I will give orders concerning you. And the woman of Tekoa said to the king, My lord, O king, let the iniquity be on me in my father's house, and the king and his throne be guiltless. You're taking on a lot for a lie, ma'am. Why would you even say that? So the king said, Whoever says anything to you, bring him to me, and he shall not touch you anymore. Then she said, Please let the king remember the Lord your God, and do not permit the avenger of blood to destroy any more, lest they destroy my son. And he said, As the Lord lives, not one hair of your son shall fall to the ground. Therefore the woman said, Please let your maidservant speak another word to my lord the king. And he said, Say on. So the woman said, Why then have you schemed such a thing against the people of God? For the king speaks this thing as one who is guilty, and that the king does not bring his banished one home again. For we will surely die and become like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Yet God does not take away a life, but he devises means so that he banished, so that the banished ones are not expelled from him. 
Now, therefore, I have come to speak of this thing to my lord, the king, because the people have made me afraid. And your your maidservant said, I will now speak to the king. It may be that the king will perform the request of his maidservant. For the king will hear and deliver his maidservant from the hand of the man who will destroy me and my son together from the inheritance of God. Your maidservant said, the word of my lord, the king, will now be comforting. For as the angel of God, so is my lord, the king, in discerning good and evil. And may the Lord your God be with you. Then the king answered and said to the woman, Please do not hide from me anything that I ask you. And the woman said, Please let my lord the king speak. So the king said, Is the hand of Joab with you in all of this? Uh, Yeah. And the woman answered and said, As you live, my lord the king, no one can turn to the right hand or to the left from anything that my lord the king has spoken. For your servant Joab commanded me, and he put all these words in the mouth of your maidservant to bring about this change of affairs. Your servant Joab has done this thing, but the Lord is wise according to the wisdom of the angel of God to know everything that is in the earth. And the king said to Joab, all right, I have granted this thing. Go therefore, bring back the young man Absalom, not his son, bring back that young man. Then Joab fell to the ground on his face and bowed himself and thanked the king. And Joab said, Today your servant knows that I have found favor in your sight, my lord, O king, and that the king has fulfilled the request of his servant. So Joab arose and went to Jeshur and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. And the king said, Let him return to his own house, but do not let him see my face. So Absalom returned to his own house, but did not see the king's face. Now in all Israel, there was no one who was praised as much as Absalom for his good looks. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. So basically, Absalom was fine, fine, okay? And when he cut the hair of his head at the end of every year, he cut it because it was heavy on him. When he cut it, he weighed the hair of his head at 200 shekels, according to the king's standard. To Absalom were born three sons and one daughter whose name was Tamar. Okay, okay. So Absalom, okay. Absalom and Ammon were brothers. Tamar is Absalom's son. Excuse me. Tamar is Absalom's daughter and David's granddaughter. Okay, so let's clear that up. So it was her uncle who raped her not her brother. She was a woman of beautiful appearance and Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem, but did not see the king's face. Therefore, Absalom sent for Joab to send him to the king, but he would not come to him. And when he sent again the second time, he would not come. So he said to his servants, see Joab's field is near mine and he has barley there. Go and set it on fire. (laughs) And Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Then Joab arose and came to Absalom's house and said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? And Absalom answered Joab, Look, I sent to you saying, Come here, so that I may send you to the king to say, Why have I come from Jeshur? It will be better for me to be there still. Now, therefore, let me see the king's face. But if there is iniquity in me, let him execute me. So Joab went to the king and told him, And when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king, bowed himself on his face to the ground, 
before the king, then the king kissed Absalom. So basically, with the kiss, he was saying, all right, we good. I forgive you. Men are so, um, so easy. Like, I feel like, I don't know if it would have went that way with women, right? I keep pressing this button for 2 Samuel chapter 15, and it keeps going to another chapter. Okay, so this one is 37 verses. We're going to try to get through this one fast. This is uh, chapter number 15. After this, it happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Now Absalom would rise early and stand before, beside the way to the gate. So it was whenever anyone who had, who had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision that Absalom would call to him and say, what city are you from? And he would say, your servant is from such and such a tribe of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, look, your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. Moreover, Absalom would say, oh, that I were made judge in the land and everyone who has suit or cause will come to me, then I will give him justice. And so it was whenever anyone came near to bow down to him, that he would put on his hand and take him and kiss him. In this manner, Absalom acted toward all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Mm. Now it came to pass after 40 years that Absalom said to the king, please let me go to Hebron and pay the vow which I made to the Lord. For your servant took a vow while I dwelt in Jeshar in Syria, saying, if the Lord indeed brings me back to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. So just like a little caveat, again, I know I said this, I want to say, I don't know, some episode, you know, I have so so many, I don't remember, but I do believe again that Syria, Turkey, all of these Middle Eastern countries were a part of Africa at one point. I do believe this. I'm sorry. I don't believe that these countries were a part always a part of Asia. I I believe that it has been redesigned for whatever reason, but I do believe at one point they were a part of Africa. I believe that Mesopotamia was a part of Africa at one point. That is just my opinion. And I only said that because it said he was in Syria. And I just, I'm going to leave it there because whatever. <laughs> If the Lord indeed brings me back to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said to him, go in peace. So he rose and went to Hebron. Then Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel saying, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Hebron, uh, excuse me, Absalom reigns in Hebron. And when Absalom went 200 men invited from Jerusalem and they went along innocently and did not know anything. Then Absalom sent for Hathapal, I don't think I said that right, Hathapel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, from Gilom, while he offered sacrifices. Okay, so I know I chopped that up. So basically, Absalom sent for uh, one of David's counselors to the city while he offered sacrifices, because I know I chopped it up. And the conspiracy grew strong for the people with Absalom continually increased in number. So basically, he's trying to take the throne. 
Now a messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. So David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, arise and let us flee or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servants said to the king, we are your servants ready to do whatever my lord the king commands. Then the king went out with all his household after him, but the king left 10 women concubines to keep the house. Okay. And the king went out with all the people after him and stopped at the outskirts. Then all his servants passed before him and all the Cherethites, Cherethites, all the Pelethites and all the Gittites, 600 men who have followed him for Gath, passed before the king. Then the king said to Ittai, the Gittite, why are you also going with us? Return and remain with the king, for you are a foreigner and also an exile from your own place. In fact, you came only yesterday. Should I make you wander up and down with us today? Since I go, I know not where. Return and take your brethren back. Mercy and truth be with you. But Ittai answered the king and said, as the Lord lives and as my Lord, the king lives, Surely in whatever place my lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also your servant will be. So David said to Ittai, go and cross over. Then Ittai the Gittite, Ittai the Gittite, and all his men and all the little ones who are with him crossed over. And all the country wept with a loud voice and all the people crossed over. The king himself also crossed over the brook Kidron. And all the people crossed over toward the way of the wilderness. There was Zadok also and all the Levites with him, bearing the Ark of the Covenant of God. And they sat down the Ark of God, and Abiathar went up unto all the people and finished crossing over from the city. Then the king said to Zadok, Carry the Ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and show me both it and his dwelling place. But if he says, thus, I have no delight in you, here I am, let him do to me as, seem, as seems good to him. The king also said to Zadok the priest, are you not a seer? Return to the city in peace and your two sons with you, Ahimaaz your son and Jonathan the son of Abiathar. See, I will wait in the plains of the wilderness until word comes, comes from you to inform me. So basically he is um, telling the priest to take the Ark of the Covenant which you guys know held the Ten Commandments and the Spirit of God. And he's basically telling the priest, if God is with me, I will find it. If not, tell him to kill me. That's literally what he's saying. I will wait in the plains of the wilderness until word comes from you to inform me. Therefore, Zadok and Abiathar carried the Ark of God back to Jerusalem and they remained there. So David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went up, and he had his head covered and went barefoot, and all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up, weeping as they went. Then someone told David, saying, Ahithophel, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Now it happened when David had come to the top of the mountain where he worshiped God there was Hushai, where he worshiped God there was Hushai the archite coming to meet him with his robe torn and dust on his head 
David said to him, if you go on with me, then you will become a burden to me. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, as I was your father's servant previously, so I will now also be your servant, then you may defeat the council of Hithopel for me. And do you not have Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, with you there? Therefore, it will be that whatever you hear from the king's house, you shall tell to Zadok and Abiathar, the priests. So basically, he's trying to get this guy to be his spy, really. That's what, he's, what is happening here. Indeed, they have um, there with them their two sons, Ahimaaz, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abiathar's son. And by them, you shall send me everything you hear. So Hushai, David's friend, went into the city, and Absalom came into Jerusalem. I really want to know what happens next. Okay, so I'm going to just read chapter 16 to see if it finishes. It's only 23 verses, so I think we can get through it. So, when David was a little past the top of the mountain, there was Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, who met him with a couple of saddled donkeys, and on them 200 loaves of bread, 100 clusters of raisin, 100 summer fruits, and a skin of wine. And the king said to Ziba, what do you mean to do with these? And so Ziba said, the donkeys are for the king's household to ride on, the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine for those who are faint in the wilderness to drink. Gotta have water. Then the king said, and where is your master's son? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is staying in Jerusalem, for he said, Today the house of Israel will restore the kingdom of my father to me. So I'm thinking, is Absalom Saul's son? I'm so confused because you guys know, you guys remember when Saul died, he, David took Saul's wives and, into his own. So now I'm thinking that Absalom may be Saul's son instead of David's son. I am, and, and I'm very confused now. I'm very confused. Hold on, let me go do some research. Okay, no, so Absalom was David's third son. So I had to look that up because it's so confusing. It was, there was so many wives involved. You know, he had his wives, he had killed somebody else's wife, uh, husband for their wife, and then he had Saul's wife. Like, whose kids are these? Okay, so he, uh, Absalom is David's son. I just got confused for a second. Now, when King David, no. So the king said to Ziba, here are, here are all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. And Ziba said, I humbly bow before you that I may find favor in your sight, my lord, O king. Now, when King David came to Bahurim, I don't know if I said that right, there was a man from the family of the house of Saul whose name was Shemiah, or Shemai, the son of Gera, coming from there. He came out cursing continuously as he came, and he threw stones at David and all the servants of King David. And all the people, all the mighty men, were on his right hand and on his left. Also, Shammai said thus when he cursed, Come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. The Lord has brought, you up, brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. 
So now you are caught in your own evil because you are a bloodthirsty man. Then Abishai, the son of Zariah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Please let me go over and take off his head. But the king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zariah? So let him curse, because the Lord has said to him, Curse David. Who then shall say, Why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and all his servants, See how my son who came from my own body seeks my life? How much more may this Benjamite, how much more may this Benjamite let him alone and let him curse? For so the Lord has ordered him. It may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went along the road, Shammai went along the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went, threw stones at him and kicked up dust. And you guys know that um, they used to kick up dust when people wouldn't listen to them and they felt like people were wrong. They would, you know, go into the city. Even Jesus told them, go into the city and preach. And those who won't listen, when you leave the city, just kick up the dust as you leave. Yeah. So, again, I don't know what any of these rituals and traditions mean. It's not my culture, but they did used to do this. Now, the king and all the people who were with him became weary, so they refreshed themselves there. Meanwhile, Absalom and all the people, the men of Israel, came to Jerusalem, and Ahithopal, Ahithopel was with him. And so it was when Hushai, the archite, David's friend, came to Absalom, that Hushai said to Absalom, Long live the king, long live the king. So Absalom said to Hushai, Is this your loyalty to your friend? Why did you not go with your friend? And Hushai said to Absalom, no, but whom the Lord and this people and all the men of Israel choose, his I will be, and with him I will remain. Furthermore, whom shall, should I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of his son, as I have served in your father's presence? So will I be in your presence. Then Absalom said to Ahithopel, give advice as to what we should do. And Ahithopel said to Absalom, go into your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house, and all Israel will hear that you are poured, you are abhorred by your father. Then the hands of all who are with you will be strong. So they pitched the tent for Absalom on the top of the house, on the top of the house, guys. And Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. So basically, they're saying that he, he was given the advice to go have sex with his father's girlfriends or harem. You know, they're not his wives, so just some chicks he messes with from time to time like you're one dude you have multiple wives and now you got all the, what do you need with all these women anyway so he pitched a tent high on the, the roof of of his father's house king david's house and had sex with his women for all of israel to see what you dirty dog now the advice of her hit the pill which he gave in those days was as if one had inquired at the oracle of god so was all the advice of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. Child. This, this uh, story reads like, you know, days of our lives. And I really feel like it's, we're 37 minutes in, but I really want to go on. But I don't want to keep you guys. So I'm going to stop here. And we're going to start with chapter 17 on um, next week's episode.
it's getting good, right? It's like a soap opera. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. I do. I so appreciate that you guys came in and you guys come in and support my podcast. I definitely appreciate you guys. Don't forget to add gratitude as a daily practice in your life. I promise you, your life will change once you add the daily practice of gratitude. You guys have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Babes Who Manifest podcast. I am your host, Luanza, aka The Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to subscribe and give my podcast five stars. If you have not already, join my Facebook group, Babes Who Manifest. Thank you.